0: Radio News. Our newscast is supported by Pacifica Radio, community radio affiliate stations, and listener supporters. We podcast at www.fsrn.org. That's fsrn.org. You can email us your feedback, questions, and story ideas to comments at fsrn.org. Today's newscast was produced by Catherine Comp and Vinod K. Joes. Headlines Editor Jess Burns, and the technical production team at KPFA in Berkeley, Puck Lowe and Rose Katopchi. From Bogota, Colombia, I'm Manuel Rueda.
1: From the campus of the University of Michigan, streaming live on the web at wcbn.org, you're listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. You're listening to the Gay Radio Collective.
2: On 88.3 WCBN, FMN Arbor.
3: The views and opinions expressed on WCBN Public Affairs Programming are solely those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily represent those of WCBN as a whole or the licensees of this station, the Regents of the University of Michigan.
4: I would say we'd probably hug a little bit more. Um, I'd say the gay football team's more affectionate uh, just because we're not scared to show that we care for each other. ¶¶
5: Good evening and welcome to Closets R for Clothes. I'm David Christopher Meitzler from the Student Activities Building here in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on the campus of the University of Michigan. We are broadcasting and we are also streaming live on the web at wcbn.org and available on iTunes. It's the Closets R for Clothes program. The subject today is fatherhood, and I have several fathers and a number of children in the studio with me tonight. And we are going to talk about issues of fatherhood. What's it like to be a gay dad? What's it like to have two dads? And the kinds of things that uh, dads care about. What do dads care about? We're going to talk about that. We're going to have a a discussion. And we have four fathers and dads, essentially, in with us. Uh, One is uh, Dennis. Dennis is a professor at Eastern Michigan uh, University. And he studies in the uh, communication department. Mm-hmm. Hello, Dennis, and we'll get familiar with your voice. Hello, hello. All right. We next have uh, Tom, uh, Tom and Dennis are partners. Tom is a math teacher at uh, Plymouth High School. Hello, Tom. Hello, hello. We have uh, Mark and Mark, I don't have a I have a blank here next to your name. What
1: <laughs> Oh, I thought I'd say i'm a I'm a systems analyst. Systems at analyst. Ford credit.
5: Hello, Mark, and we also have Mike, who's an engineering director at an automotive supplier in Auburn Hills. Hello, Mike. Hello, hello. And, uh, well, we're going to talk about fatherhood and dads and all the things that kind of are associated with that. And is there really a difference between dad and fatherhood? I, I know there's such a thing as being a natural parent, but tell me about what What do you think it is to be a dad? What, is, what, is, what does dad mean? And anyone can take it.
6: Okay, well, to me, Mike, dad ahead. is a little bit more less formal and more friendly. It's, it's mentoring. Um, it's, I'd say, less responsible maybe than father why is that? Oh, well, it sounds less formal to me. I okay, don't know. Okay.
5: Yeah. Okay. Uh, how about you? Now, are you in agreement with that, Mark?
1: Uh, it, when I saw it originally, I didn't. I wasn't sure that I understood the difference. I thought it yeah. was just semantics more than anything else. Yeah. So I'd be interested in your assessment. Uh.
5: <laughs> I'm not a dad. I, I can't tell you. <laughs> well, for, You're all speaking from experience. Go ahead.
7: For me, dad is um, more of an affectionate term, and particularly daddy. Um, it says, you know, there's, there's a connection there that's not just biological, but that's familial and relational and, and friendly. So there's, to me, there's a difference between the word mm-hmm. dad and father.
5: hmm and since we got everybody else, go ahead, Dennis, what's your, what's your take on that, dad and father?
0: Maybe the, the difference is anyone who has a, a child is a father, but it, it takes something a little bit more and a little bit special mm. to be a dad.
5: Yeah, mm. more personal maybe, yeah. Mm. All right, well, what about the idea of gay parenting? Now, is that any, I mean, we're going to talk about the political differences associated, but as far as the responsibilities of a dad goes, is there any difference in being a gay parent?
0: I mean, a lot of it's the same. We do the same boring stuff that all the other dads do out there and all the other moms do out there. I mean, when people say, oh, what's a typical day like in your family? And we often say it's just like any other family. The kids get up if they go to school. We feed them breakfast and get them dressed and get them on the bus. We go to work. We come back. We do homework. We play or we watch movies. So, I mean, a lot of the the day-to-day stuff I think is going to be the same as you would find in any other family that has children.
5: Mm -hmm. Do you think maybe the... um misunderstandings come more from people, or let's say lack of understanding or knowing, come more from people who don't already have families. And maybe parents, mother, uh, whether mothers or fathers, males or females, already just, they just know that it's a joint responsibility and, and it's taking care of a child. It's, taking, it's raising a child. What do you think? Go for it, Mike.
6: Well, uh, you know, I think to be a gay parent, uh, more often than not, you really have to want to be. You have to work at being a parent.
5: Is it... It's, it's, you mean it's harder? It's a lot
6: more deliberate to become a parent. Mm. Okay. Okay. You don't just stumble across children and, you know, suddenly you're a parent. Well, there are unmarried,
5: and, a lot of unmarried parents out there. Oh, there are. Yeah.
6: There are. But, uh, you know, biologically it's more difficult for mm-hmm. for two men or two women mm-hmm. to okay. do it without being very deliberate. Okay. Uh, I, I guess... So, you know, for me, I, 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 I think... Gay or straight, I'll agree with Dennis. Day to day, there is no, um, no difference at all. Uh, but I, I think that uh, not everyone sees that.
5: Well, what, I want to talk about the desire of fatherhood. And when did it really start? When were you, you were, you know, a child at some point, I'm assuming, I don't know if that really happens, but uh, (laughs) our dads are just always dads. Your kids would probably know more about that. But when did the desire to be a father happen? You must have had an image while you were growing up of a family, whether it was a model of your own, a reflection of your own family or something that you saw on television or in the movies somewhere. Where did your own personal desire of fatherhood come from? Tom you got one for that
7: yeah um, for me it it came um, not only you know being male you know but also um, about I'm an educator and you know I work with children all the time Um, I've worked um, as young as preschool up through I'm currently high school teacher and it's it's really a desire to um, bring about the next generation to to have an influence and and to care for and make sure that generation you know rises to the challenges ahead of them and so I think that desire for came to me through my teaching um, it, it came to Dennis um, quicker and he discussed that um, desire with me but um, was very patient with me and um, allowed that to develop I just um, I kind of actually saw myself already as in a parental role as a teacher mm. this was another dimension of it so um, for me it came through my work with kids
5: how, how long did it take that to develop
7: what um, Dennis can probably tell you, but I think it was more like, um, in terms of before we actually began to foster um, children, was probably about th- two years, or was it more like three? How patient were you?
5: Did it feel like, was it three and it felt like six, uh, Dennis? Or
7: It was a long
0: time.
5: <laughs> okay. What about um, Mark and Mike? What When did the fatherhood idea start? Where did the image come from?
1: Well, with me... Um, Growing up gay, I just assumed that I would never have a family, mm-hmm. and I, I I thought, well, that's just part of the deal.
5: And well, wh- why why did that why did that assumption
1: uh, happen? Because I grew up in the South, and there was not a single a positive role model of any gay anything, mm-hmm. and so the idea, you know, I'm 44. The idea was that um, you would basically hide it your whole life, and the i the the, the concept of having a regular family was not part of. It was never taught to me that gays could have a family.
5: So when that hit home, when you finally realized that, where were you in life and how did it feel? How did it affect Um, you?
1: When I was younger, it didn't affect me at all uh, because I thought I came from a very dysfunctional family. So I thought, oh, good, I don't have to put anyone else through that. But as I grew and matured, uh, I I found myself in my 30s being, I guess, a little jealous of all the people around me that had families because then as I became more... Uh, I guess I got better skill sets at, at, uh, at with my own family. I thought, gosh, I, I think I want one, you know. But again, I didn't. I, I don't know. I, it was probably thirty-five when I started thinking it would be nice to have a kid.
5: Mike, how did that align with your desires?
6: Well, um, we have vastly different uh, life experiences. I come from a very tight, um, very close nuclear family. We have—I'm uh, um, the oldest of three. And uh, I raised Catholic, and I, I always saw myself more as uh, a father or a dad, but maybe more in a, a in terms of a clergy role. <laughs> I, I never really saw myself pairing off. This is long before I came out. I didn't come out till I was 28, and uh, there was just a fundamental assumption. You know, as Mark said, there was no role model or no model. You know, it was just something that didn't cross your mind because there was no example of it. Mm. But, uh, you know, there was always a base desire there. And certainly when my brother and sister both had started having children, I, you know, I'm godfather to all of them. I'm very close to them. And um, that helped fill a niche. But by that time, I'm, you know, was a bit older. And again, I had no, it didn't consider having children. And then I met Mark and he was a, pa- he was a package deal yeah so Came I with the kid um it was uh, <laughs> it, what a wonderful um, bonus can i say uh, to be able to fulfill that deep seated wish to become a father or a parent um, and still and and be with the man i love it it's, uh, It was a fantastic thing
5: so you 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 know you all, you had these uh interests and ideas at different points in your life. Does society favor the whole family model Had, had you been uh, exposed to a culture which embraced early on same-sex uh, parenting, then that might have fueled your own interests. What do you think, Mark?
1: Yeah, I think the kids that are growing up now with this being just a part of their... It's normal. Right, it's completely it's back, normal. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't mean anything. And it's funny, uh, now I'm finding even adults that are in my age group are now acting that way, even though we were all raised in the same time when it wasn't okay. So I've got a lot of faith in in the next generation.
5: Is there a difference, you think, between gay and straight dad, dadhood, fatherhood?
1: I've been both, so...
5: Well, you would be an expert on that, then. <laughs> a, yeah,
1: it goes back to your earlier uh, question about what's the difference between uh, gay uh, parenting versus... And I'm, I can't think of a single thing that's different. I mean, the, 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 the they're little human beings that need the same uh, mm-hmm. love, the same guidance, the same help. I, I, I would love it if anyone could come up with one thing that was different. Mm-hmm. So that's my answer.
5: Did any of you consider being a single dad and not coupling it in a couple of uh... in a relationship
0: no and i think it goes back to Dennis. what what mike and mark were talking about earlier it's just there were no role models for gay dads at all a single, single or partner okay. i mean we started this process less than ten years ago and even at that time we knew no other gay or lesbian parents when we started you know our journey to to become parents so that the thought of doing it at all whether as a, a single man or as part of a, a couple was just unheard of.
5: Yeah, and, and certainly we, we have uh, examples of, of single parents and single dads and single moms, but mm-hmm. those are not usually just because uh, it's usually less associated with uh, someone who's gay. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, they grow up and say, hey, I just would like to adopt a child. Right. How, how, does our, how does that fit in with our culture right now, do you think? The idea of just being a single uh, parent and adopting a child on your own versus a couple. Which, which you think is favored more by society?
0: Well, I think a, a couple is is favored more by society. There's a, a belief among many people that a, a child, you know, does better in a two-parent home than a single-parent home. But I'm thinking of all the children who are in the the foster care system right now in the United States. There's over half a million kids in foster care. About a hundred thousand of them are waiting to be adopted, and they're are many of those kids who age out of the system and never get adopted. They never have a permanent family. And some of them would do very well and be very happy with a single parent. And there are single individuals out there who would make great parents. So even though in some cases two parents are certainly easier at times, Mm -hmm. I think there are some people who have the skills and the resources and support as single individuals to be parents and would make great parents and we should be encouraging that.
5: You said more than a hundred thousand children are waiting to be adopted.
0: Nationwide in the us. out of in, the foster in, in, care in, in, system. okay.
5: Yes. and is there are there is there a reason why there's that many or or is there a delay? Is there blockage happening? is or there is there trouble finding parents?
0: There's trouble finding parents there's trouble many, finding parents. Many of those kids are they tend to be older, um, they tend to be adolescents, they have special needs, um, they're racial minorities. Or they're part of a sibling group that doesn't want to be adopted. You know, if if you're um, a healthy white baby, you have a much better chance of being adopted than if you're a 15 year old African American male with special needs, for mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm.
5: So uh, it's it's the majority of adoptions are happening by parents of the same culture and class of the child that's to be adopted. Is that?
0: Nice? Um, it varies. I think from state to state and agency to mm-hmm. agency. Okay.
5: Now, uh, I, I guess the, I, the question about whether or not the relationship had to make room for a child is not an issue with you gentlemen, because you were all interested really, yeah. except for, uh, for well, you, Tom, you, you just a little while, but I, mean, the,
7: I know, but the, I think it was the relationship that created the desire for a child because it was, it was, you know, I was reluctant at first. I was married and uh, there were some infertility problems in our marriage. And so I initially grieved that loss of fatherhood. Um, and, you know, I don't think I was ready to deal with it again. Um, first, when I came out to myself um, later and then, um, you know, in our relationship. But, you know, um, I knew it was always in there at my core that I would be a dad. I just didn't know when or how. And But it was through Dennis then and through our relationship that it created, you know, um uh, desired to parent um, or reignited that desire to parent because you know, we wanted to bring forth I mean, it's 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 procreative in a sense. It's that we wanted to bring Even though not biologically we wanted to bring forth something we wanted to care for children But also to create something that was beyond ourselves
5: is that uh, Is that a masculine? Trait? Do you think, or is that a, just a normal human trait to want to have a child? you? Do, 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 is it something that most men have? Some men? All men? Where's? I mean, it's in, it's in you guys, right? But, but you, what's your experience out there? You, you think it's, it's something unique, the desire, the burning urge to have mm-hmm. a child and to raise a child?
7: You mean unique to to to
5: to to, uh, to all men? Is it? Is it? Is it something that all men really have? Somewhere along I, the way. I don't think I mean that, yeah. motherhood is a certain issue, right? We you know yeah, women certainly. many mother I don't know if it's physiological emotional. Clock. It's some yeah There's a, the concept of the internal clock mm-hmm. and the, and and other physiological reasons why they want to have a, a child What about men? I've
6: known I've known both in my life. Yeah. I mean and even in my own family I, we have both flavors of, of attitudes toward children some never really um, fancied themselves or, or looked at themselves as fathers or dads and since they never and or had the desire to go there others you know it's a shame you know they they, they get old alone or you know with that desire i i don't think it's a gay or a straight thing either i i, th- I just think that um some of us have that uh that um it's not. It's more than a desire. It's a drive or a, a feeling that's awake in us that we want to share. We want to bring the next generation along, um, not necessarily in our own image, but yeah, to have a, an influence on the next generation.
5: Is it a, is it a responsibility, or just a, is it selfish, or is it something you're doing sure. for? The,
6: sure. I mean, I, I, I don't. You know, how can it be anything else?
5: For the child, perhaps. <laughs>
6: Oh well yes okay yeah. i mean the desire was what i'm saying is yeah. the desire okay. is is a selfish sure. one yeah. um because it you do have to go to normally extraordinary limits to to make it happen whether it's through the foster system or surrogacy or um, um you know a menu of ways that and, you can make it happen and
5: because it's a it's a gay relationship it 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 adds a level of complexity to the process which is much higher mm-hmm. right Okay. Um, I didn't get a chance to, to ask you before, but if you can, I'd like you to talk a little bit about your children. And, and I want to give you the option of, of not doing that out of, you know, discretion. It's up to you. But if you can talk a little bit about your children, maybe uh, where they are in life and, and how many you have and where they came from and a little bit. Uh, Mark, would you like to go first?
1: Certainly. I have one son. He's seven and a half years old. Um, he, uh, he's precocious. He's uh, intelligent he's the negotiator um... the funny thing is 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 just yesterday his mom texted me and said he just asked me what gay was and i thought boy that couldn't come along at a better time and so i called her back and she said um... yeah we were standing in line at the grocery store and he saw a uh... uh... Adam Lambert, I think that's his Mm -hmm. name the the Idol idol contestant and saying that he's gay and he didn't know what the word meant so she said I tried to explain it to him that you know how boys like girls and you know how some boys like boys and some girls like girls and he said oh yeah and she said is there anything you want to talk about? Because he was at our wedding. He was the ring bearer at our wedding. He knows we're married. And so I was very interested to see what his conception of all of this was.
5: It sounds like he had the concept, just not the vernacular. He
1: hadn't put it all together. Yeah. And so she, he said, he looked at her and he goes, are you gay? And so, she, of course, she laughed and said, no, no. She says, well, what do you think about your dad and Mike? And he said, well, they're married. Duh. duh so then he finally got it it came together and he goes oh he said well oh my god he said my my dad is gay and I think, he thought it was cool because Adam Lambert was gay. And I, all I could think when I heard that was, that is so different than what I got when I was a kid. That word was an awful word. And as opposed to there are people out in front who have all these skills and talents and there was, you look up to and it's just another aspect of who they are. And I'm thinking, wow, he's, he's entering a completely different world. So that's where he is at seven and a half. And, and I'm,
0: I'm, I'm glad mm-hmm. that he's with us. So.
5: Dennis and Tom?
0: Um, I just want to add on a quick story yes, of my own that's please. similar to that. I was out with the boys once, and I think it was a restaurant, and a server asked us about, or asked me, Tom wasn't there, about my wife. And Raul said in a really loud voice, he doesn't have one. He's gay. <laughs> <laughs> Raul Thanks, Raul. Friend. That may be a difference with gay dads, as you find you're always being outed or having to out yourself. Because... Well,
5: kids kids are great because they're honest.
0: Yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. So, and,
5: do you, and you appreciate that.
0: Yes, we do. Um Usually. Yeah, for the most part, <laughs> most of the time. Uh, we have we have four boys. Tom and I have been uh, foster parents for the last nine years now, almost nine mm-hmm. years, I think. And we have fostered 20 children during that time. Um, the four boys that we have all started as foster children who were placed with us, and then we adopted them when their parents' rights were terminated. So our oldest son, Josh, is 13 now. And then we have uh, son, Paul, who is 10. Our son, Joey, is almost 10. He'll be 10 in two weeks. And then our youngest son, Raul, is... uh, Almost eight.
7: Almost eight. (laughs) He's close enough. Yeah.
5: Uh, and so this uh, so you have fostered 20 children. Mm-hmm. All right. So the it just keeps going. You're just the, the energy and the desire to be father and, and dad is just uh, unstoppable. It looks like it's getting close <laughs> to the stopping point.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we, we may do one more. We're that's you know, it depends on a variety of things um, permanently. But that would be it. Yeah. Uh-huh.
5: Yeah, now, uh, is there a mother in the picture for for these uh, kids?
0: The um, biological mothers some have some limited contact with their birth mother some don't depending on the circumstances Mm -hmm. Um, But we have lots of surrogate moms. Um, We have a good friend who is the foster mom of of two of our boys that they call mommy sue She moved down to Tennessee now. So um,
5: Does there need to be a mom in the picture?
1: mark there is in my case so i don't know um there's you know that gets into the whole question of what is the typical role of a mother and a and a and a a father and so i can't i can't say there was a time when i was younger that i thought it was a good idea for there to be a mom and a dad but the older i got i started thinking you know it's good to have good parents whatever they are so i Mm -hmm.
5: Can't it's say. more about the parent. Oh, yeah. and More about the dad and mom. It's less about the gender. Yes. Yeah. Would well, you agree a, with that?
6: Tom? There's a list of. Fun- yes. I'm sorry. There's, there's a list of functions that need to be done emotionally and mm-hmm. physically and functionally. And I don't think it matters whether a man or a woman or two men or two women
0: fulfill those functions
6: to be a, a good parent, a loving parent. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. If if you like going with what Mark said, if you ask what is the role of a mom in a family, think of the stereotypical behaviors we associate with a mom, someone who's warm, loving, nurturing, supportive. I think all of us do those things. things. We fulfill those roles for our boys. Um, I also think it's important for them to have adult women in their life who, who care for them and love them. And they, it, I know they do for, for all four of us. There's people from a church, there's aunts, there's grandmas, there's close friends. So they, they have a, they're very lucky that they have a lot of women
7: who really care about them and, and want them to do well but our boys do um, some of them do ask about their birth moms and you know their birth moms have never been a secret you know we, we share about their birth moms and um, this conversation actually just came up when we were camping um Joey wasn't aware of it but um what happened was that um, they were talking about birth moms and you know and I said well you know every everybody has one and and this one of the boys on the camping trip said well how is that how, how do you know I said well his shirt was off and I, I poked him in the belly button I said right there i said that is evidence of your mom and i tell paul sometimes when he misses his mom i said just put your finger right there mm. and that's where your life started and that you know that um everybody has a mom mm. somewhere mm. I, and, a, and a biological mom as well so they're never never alone you
5: know? we're talking about fathers being a dad we're talking with mike mark Dennis and Tom and everything in between, which basically are their kids all the time. Uh, We're going to come back to that, uh, but next we're going to listen to the book report. You're listening to Colossus Are for Clothes from the Gay Radio Collective. I'm David Christopher Meitzler.
4: Thanks, David. This is Keith Orr from Common Language Bookstore. Happy Father's Day week to all of the dads listening in. In honor of Father's Day, I'd like to talk today about a few very different books on dads in our store. Let's start with the kids' books. Leslie Newman has two books in the category. The first is called Daddy's Song. There's nothing particularly da- gay about the content, but it is by Leslie Newman, so that is enough to get into the bookstore. It's a very sweet book for the younger set about how much their dad loves them. Her other book, Daddy, Papa, and Me, is for an even younger set, but is decidedly about two gay fathers. She uses a tried-and-true technique of opposing pages having contrasting ideas. In this case, the left page belongs to Daddy, the right page belongs to Papa, until the end when they are both on the same page. Normally I hate that expression, but it is literally true in this case. The master of the opposing pages is Todd Parr. We talked a lot about him and his book The Mommy Book last month for the Mother's Day program. Well, he also has The Daddy Book. I regret that there was no Todd Parr when I was growing up, and no one with kids today should pass up this genius. He illustrates with bold colors and thick outlines. These are drawings that a kid can relate to. One example. Left page has a daddy with a vacuum cleaner inside a house with the caption, Some daddies work at home. The right page caption is, some daddies work far away with a drawing of a spaceship surrounded by stars and a daddy in the window of the spaceship and one more favorite kids book the daddy machine by johnny valentine it's a mayhem story in the tradition of cat in the hat a couple of girls have two moms and the moms leave them alone for the day with a construction set as a present since they don't know what it is like to have a dad they decide to build a daddy machine Naturally, once it starts working, they can't turn it off, and they end up with a houseful of dads. And from the kids' books, we go to memoirs. First up is Gay Dads by David Straw. This is a collection of stories from dads on the forefront of the gay parenting revolution. It includes 25 personal accounts of men who found different paths to fatherhood and their struggles and successes with parenting. Next is Jesse Green. He was a journalist and novelist um, with no plans for parenthood until he fell in love with a man who had recently adopted a baby boy Eris. The book is Velveteen Father, classic of the genre. Um, He discovers that even in jaded New York City, Um, His unusual family had reactions from funny to frightening. It's a poignant memoir about embracing fatherhood even when you least expect it. Once again, that's The Velveteen Father by Jesse Green. One of the funniest and oddest memoirs of the last year was Assisted Loving, True Tales of Double Dating with My Dad by Bob Morris, ended up being a literary award finalist. Um, Morris is best known as a contributor to the New York Times style section. Um, This memoir is about uh, his octogenarian father. Shortly after his father's wife passes away, uh, he starts looking for female companionship. Not only does his son get dragged into dad's drama, but Bob ends up being frustrated by his own attempts at dating as a middle-aged man with a paunch. In the end, this is a twin love story about giving and receiving affection with an open heart. Um, just a delight. Once again, that one is assisted loving. Two tales of double dating with my dad. Um, just out in paperback, by the way. Um, and no review of gay dads could ignore one of our most famous dads, Dan Savage. Dan is known for his acerbic style on NPR's This American Life his collections of essays, and his blunt advice column, Savage Love, about love and sex for the straight world. His memoir is The Kid. What happened after my boyfriend and I decided to go get pregnant? It's about the open adoption process that he and his boyfriend, Terry, go through. This, this book is as much about that process, the open adoption process, as it is about their own story. Though there are harrowing stories revolving around the street life of Melissa, the birth mother, um, and just wonderful stories of the building of their own family, Dan is ultimately an advocate of the open adoption process. Uh, Just like his advice columns, this book is both frank and wickedly funny. That's all for now. Keith Orr from Common Language.
5: Keith Orr reporting on fine choices in literature with dads in mind. Common Language Bookstore is on the web at glbtbooks.com, and their phone is 734-663-0036. And at that website, by the way, glbtbooks.com, you will find a link to their storefront that allows you to order books online and have them shipped. I'm David Christopher Meitzel. You're listening to Closets Are for Clothes.
2: I feel a very special connection to my dad. Uh, we do a lot of different things together from hunting. Uh, we, we fish together. We've taken a cigar on the back patio. We do a lot of different things. It would be more uh, male uh, relationship associated. And I think it is important to have that relationship with my dad. It's just something that I don't do with my mom. My, my relationship with my dad is very important to me. And, and I honestly, I have not come out to my dad. And I am afraid that, that it will change that relationship that I have with him. Uh, And that's just not a step that I've taken yet. Will I? Eventually, I'm going to have to. Probably within the next year, um, my partner and I are probably going to be buying a house together. And it's going to probably be at that point, I'm not going to have a whole lot of a choice. This is Jad Fair from Half Japanese and you're listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor.
5: Real love! In Ann Arbor,
7: I have no interest in being a dad someday. Why? I don't think I could
2: handle a child like I was when I was a kid. The reason that I really fear coming out to my dad is that I really feel that my dad has a stereotypical view of homosexuality. And in ho- my hope in coming out to him is that I can help to break that stereotype and to help break that barrier of fear there is between him and the gay community.
3: You're listening to the Gay Radio Collective on 88.3 WCBN-FM Ann Arbor.
1: Write us at closets at gayradiocollective.org. You can also find archived shows on our website or the weekly broadcast on iTunes.
3: Support for WCBN and Closets Are For Clothes comes from the gay and lesbian community and listeners like you. Hear WCBN anytime at the website wcbn.org.
5: Up next is an interesting song in Dutch. The translation of the chorus is, I have two fathers, two real fathers, sometimes cool and sometimes strict, but it's going great with us. I have two fathers, two real fathers, who, if they have to, both can be my mother. And this is sung by uh, Terence Apoff. Trey Fados, from, I believe, the Netherlands. Uh, We are back in the studio. We have four dads and some kids running around, making tea, doing all sorts of stuff, getting into mischief. (laughs) (laughs) The uh, parents are Mike and Mark, and we also have Dennis and Tom here. We were talking about fatherhood. We were talking about being a dad, the relationship between the father and the son, the... uh, the role of a father, we were talking about the, the burning yearning for fatherhood to, to share and, and impart one's life and share that with a child. And we are going to continue our discussion. And I was wondering what you guys thought about, um, as uh, men, are you more competent to raise uh, boys rather than girls? What do you think about that? Mark?
1: Mark? Um, For me, I think there's two reasons why I'm more competent. Uh, I only had brothers and I had no sisters. Uh, I think the other thing is, is all my straight friends uh, if you ask the dad what they want, a boy or a girl, they all want boys. You know, it's just you want your little... Why do
5: dads want boys?
1: Because they want a clone. They want someone to play ball with. They want someone Selfish. to... Right, it is. It <laughs> is. And so, yeah, so that's just human nature. But for me, I remember when my wife was pregnant, I thought, oh, please, I don't know how to handle a girl. So uh, I want a boy. And he was a boy, and I was happy. So... But now I want it's a It's good girl. she could do that for yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
5: <laughs> so... I, uh dennis or tom what do you think are you more competent to raise a boy than a girl
7: um i think we're competent to raise either um it's just that boys and girls present different challenges um boys are active i mean this is stereotyping and that's easier to deal with for me i mean in the classroom i'll tell you the boys are easier to deal with girls present a lot more drama so it, it but i grew up with sisters i grew up in a home of women i have four sisters no brothers so that wasn't frightening um it's just that it happened that you know we got boys and then we got more boys and at some point we couldn't take anything but boys because um we only have three bedrooms one of them being ours so
5: <laughs> tom and, you're you're a uh... A math teacher at a high school, and uh, Dennis, you are a professor at Eastern Michigan University. Do mm-hmm. those differences get stay the same between boys and girls um, as they go into the higher ranks of education?
0: Uh, people who have had kids have told me that once they reach adolescence, the boys are easier to parent than girls. And these are friends of ours who have both boys and girls and have, have been there. At, at my level, I don't see too much of a difference. I mean, there's more differences between individual students than between the sexes. Hmm.
5: Okay. Comments, Mike? Anyone? Okay. All right. Um, how has two dad a two dad? Uh, parenting situation, how has that been regarded by your families, your, your, you know, your parents, your brothers, your sisters?
1: Perfectly well. No, there's been, uh, I put under all of those normal, uh, normal meaning that it's no different at all. So which surprised me?
5: Yeah, because you said, Mark, that you came from a dysfunctional mm-hmm. family. Mm-hmm. So you, did you again? You expected there to be dysfunction in the way that they regarded, probably. Um, yeah, your when I was when
1: I was younger, I think they were just so happy that I uh, that I they were happy that when I was married the first time, and they were happy when I was married the second time. Mm. So
5: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, and one was to a woman, one was to a man. So they're fine.
5: And uh, brothers and sisters the same with the parents. Uh, oh yeah, across the board. Yeah. Yeah. What about uh, you guys?
0: My, uh, in a way, it brought me closer to my family because now we had something in common that we didn't have in common before. What was that? Being a parent. you know. So that was something that I could better understand their role and what it was like for them raising me and my brother and sister. And I could turn to them for advice. So in some ways, I think it actually helped me draw closer to my parents. Uh, and then also... A lot of grandparents want grandkids, and, you know, I've given them four more. So I think they've given 20. They? Yeah. <laughs> Different points in time, yes. Yeah, so.
5: um, maybe, yeah, more than they expected, probably. Yeah. Um, and you, the idea of the, uh, uh, you know, f- five-person family, two, two, two or three children, you blew that right out of the water. So mm-hmm. it's, uh... mm-hmm. Okay, what about uh, coworkers? So now you're, you know, you, are you out at work, and is, does hmm. the family issues, what pictures are on your desk at work?
6: Well, on my desk is a picture of my family, and Mark, my husband, and our son, my stepson, uh, and uh, it's gotten a lot of comments, uh, all positive. Uh, in fact, just the other day, um, I was at work very late, and the, the uh, cleaning crew was there, and they asked me, and I told them, "Oh, what a beautiful family! I, I, I guess I've, I've controlled things, and I, you know, I, I guess I have a good instinct." I don't think I put myself in a position to be confrontational. Um, I, where I work, I've been out since the day I hired in, and um, it's a safe place. So I, to me, there was not a risk at all about being out at work um, or with my coworkers.
1: I have something I want to add, only because when I thought about this this morning, I came in very early, and the only other co-worker that was there um, was someone that I know was a Christian, and when he knew me before, I was straight, and then suddenly I'm gay, and then suddenly I've got a picture of me and a man and my son, and and we never talked about it, and I thought, well, this is as good a time as any, and so I asked him, I said, look, I want to talk to you about something that might be a little difficult. I said, uh, you know, we've never talked about this, what do you think about the fact that, you know, there's a picture on my desk. I mentioned the picture and about the fact that I'm married to a man and raising my son that way. And he said, oh, it's okay. And I said, you know, I joked with him and said, you don't got a, a sign you want to pick it my in front of my cubicle or anything? And he said, it depends on the people and how they're raising their child. Mm. That was the only, and, and, and knowing that he was a devout Christian and that he chose to, to, uh, to make a judgment on me as a person Versus just the rules. I was really impressed and very happy about that because we, in the news you only get the, you know, the extremes.
5: Well, what did Jesus say about two gay dads?
1: I don't believe he had anything. Dan, if you find anything, let me know.
5: <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, Dennis and Tom, uh, work environment.
0: Uh, Very supportive. I have pictures of of Tom and the kids all over my office. Um, My office is cinder block walls, so I'd rather see their pictures and their artwork. So it's it's really all over the place. It hits you in the face as soon as you come in. And most students, a lot of students know because they talk to each other. Um, I've like like Mike, I've been out you're since day about, one. You're
5: talking about uh, the college students. That, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That I'm, I'm gay, and that I have a, a partner, and I have kids, and so a lot of them know before they they even meet me for the first time. And those that don't, sometimes they'll they'll look at the pictures of the kids and not necessarily see the ones of Tom right away, and ask something about my wife. So it gives me that's what I call a teachable moment. It gives them a a chance to dispel the the assumption that everyone who has kids is is straight. And most respond, they're either interested and ask questions or they seem kind of embarrassed that they made the wrong assumption and get a little flustered.
7: Tom, what about it? I think um, my experience is somewhat the same as Dennis's at school. Um, I have um, many pictures that the boys have drawn for me up um, in my office. I'm in the classroom at school. I also have pictures of Dennis and the boys. Um, a lot of students will ask me, um, who, "Who are these?" You know, children, and I'll say they're they're my sons. And you know, then later on they'll say, "Well, um, I don't see any pictures." Sometimes I'll ask of your wife. I said, "Well, that's because I'm not married." And you know, I, I answer the questions honestly and it's it's not been a problem with the students who ask. It's only been a problem with the students who Don't ask, and sometimes with parents who um, make assumptions about things that, you know, they um, don't know about because they're not in the classroom with me on a daily basis.
5: Right, and uh, do you feel that some of those parents may have concerns? Have you ever had a situation that you know of where parents removed a child from your classroom? Yes,
7: yes. Um, In the beginning, um, I had to help kind of actually train my um, boss, who is retiring this year, unfortunately, um, to um, have those parents meet with me. Um, to to sit them down with me um, to, first of all, voice their concerns to me face-to-face, and secondly, to support me in um, retaining those children in my classroom because I felt that if he gave them the opportunity to have their children removed, then he said there was a reason to be removed. Um, I'm a good teacher um, he knows me, he knows my reputation. There is not a reason for the children to be removed from my classroom. So he um, became very supportive. Um, he was always supportive of me in the beginning, but I think he was, um, I think he was, um, conflicted by, um, parental demands and, you know, that's hard to deal with in the schools. So I had to help him to learn to shore me up, you know, and support me and still let the parents know that their child we're going to, we're going to get a good education.
5: What about the insurance situation uh, with all these children, uh, dentist checkups, uh, pediatric uh, doc uh, examinations? All this stuff are are you getting adequate insurance? And does the insurance you have cover this kind of relationship?
0: Yeah, uh, through Eastern Michigan, Dennis. we have uh, we have uh, that's what they call an I forget the name now, but it's like a. An, an, Another eligible other, adult. Other dependent. It's yeah. kind of like a domestic partner benefit, but they don't call it that because of the constitutional amendment. Yeah. Because they can't. So they just renamed it something else, but the, the benefits are the same. So Tom actually has insurance through me because um, I'm a legal parent to all the boys. They do as well. And then because they've um, been adopted out of the foster care system, they have Medicaid as a secondary insurance. So the university recognizes my relationship. Um,
5: yeah, so it sounds like you rest pretty, pretty safely at night, knowing that they are going to be fully covered. Yeah, the boys
0: are the mm-hmm. boys are well cared for.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Mike and Mark, what about uh, your insurance?
1: Uh, he he's uh, insured under my insurance. Through I work for Ford, right. so we got a pretty good uh, things to choose from, and he's always been insured, and I don't see a problem with that. Mm-hmm.
6: And my, my insurance, um, unfortunately, my company is not enlightened enough to offer any kind of uh, domestic partnership benefits, but, you know, it's a small company, so there hasn't been a demand. Now is not the time to demand it, um, and fortunately, we both are still employed. And uh, If i working for an American automotive company,
1: if I lost my job, that would be it because I can't get insurance through him. And I would have to go not only for myself with a with some kind of single policy, but I would also have to insure my son. My uh, ex-wife uh, can't. She just doesn't have the wherewithal right now. She's just not working, and so it would be
6: impossible. Yeah. And we're heading into orthodonture, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
5: um, I'd like to touch on how has your... Uh, children's concept of themselves and their place in a family unit changed over the time while they've been growing up with you. Because maybe, you know, as very young children, they just thought of you as my dad's. You, you know, you're my dad's. And now as they get more into the world and they get out in school and they see other examples of relationships and families, that it, does, it gets called into question, is one different than another? Am I normal? Is, is this person normal? What's right? Go ahead, Mark. Uh, uh,
1: my son... Uh, has only known his mother and I have being separate. He was simply too young. And when we realized that our relationship was not going to work out, uh, we thought it would be better uh, to have him grow up that way so he wouldn't have the, the separation anxiety. And so he, at first he didn't know any difference, and then when he got into school, there were other families that were you know, uh, parents together, parents separate. And then when he was four years old was when uh, Mike came along, and it just became a second dad, and uh, he pretty much took to that like a fish to water. And uh, only recently, like I said, he even realized that there was a concept of gay, you know. I mean, the day that we I told him we were going to get married, and and uh, it was six months later, uh, he was eating breakfast, and he suddenly looked up and said, Wait, you guys are getting married? And I said, Yeah. And he says, You mean two boys can marry through our church again? Mm-hmm. And uh, and I said, Yeah. And he goes, Oh, okay. And then just kept eating his cereal. And I thought, Well... That's another you know moment of trying to figure out how everything works.
6: There was there was a, a one point that I really forget how old he was, but he didn't in the beginning know how to classify me because uh, you know there was a yeah, I was Mike, and you know I yeah. I was just as you are as a dad. You know I cooked, I cleaned, yeah. the, you know whatever was required, and you know picked up the slack, and you know we we roll reverse all the time because things have to be done and but we're both loving parents and when he thought or when we came to the conclusion to classify me as stepdad there was a familiar term that his lots of his friends had a stepdad so therefore that you could almost see the the relief or you know that okay he has a a category to put me in for that stage of his life (laughs) And I'm still there, Mm -hmm. and I don't think there's any questions. But eventually somebody's going to say, oh, something about your mom and your stepdad. And then the truth is going to come out, and that'll be interesting when that happens.
5: What did it feel like when you went from Mike to Dad?
6: He calls me just about anything. Um, He calls me Mike. He calls me Mom. (laughs) He calls me dad. He calls me Mark. Um, And it is functional. If I'm making dinner, he calls me mom. Mm -hmm. And he he, he associates, you know, if I'm clipping his toenails, he calls me mom. Mm -hmm. You know, it it just, whatever happens to be um, right at the moment. And I love every, every, anytime he calls, whatever he calls me. He corrects himself. It's an
1: unconscious response. And then he corrects himself, but. I think it's kind of
5: funny, but maybe it's kind of okay, right? Yeah, yeah. it is okay. Yeah, (laughs) Dennis, Tom, what do you think? Um,
0: I, I think our our kids have two things that make our family unique. One that they have two gay dads, and then one that they're adopted, and so that's a big part of their identity as well. And when they were younger, I don't think they really recognized how our family might be unique because we have all kinds of friends. We have, you know, they have they have friends who have. A mom and a dad and friends who have two dads and they know people who have two moms and they know friends who just have a mom or 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 being raised by a grandparent so they just thought there's all different kinds of families and ours is just one of many different kinds i think now that they're getting older they're starting to realize that maybe being adopted and maybe having two dads does make them a little bit different from some of their friends out there and they're starting to get more questions but i think they're handling it very well
7: tom any comments um same pretty much as Dennis I think they're handling it well um as they grow up um you know they that that's kind of how the mom thing came into playing and then holding your belly button for me because there was questions about their mom you know and so um but they're they're dealing
5: uh, we, you know, and I just asked you sort of how their concept have changed, and so they're obviously being more educated about it. And I, and I would say they're going to be more socially advanced than their counterparts, uh, who perhaps have a more traditional mm-hmm. family model, at least traditional for now. Mm-hmm. But do you do any special pres- uh, preparation for them? uh knowing that they're going out into a world a sea of of ideas and cultures and people and uh they'll be out on the playground and what happens when another boy asks them or another girl asks them you know about their mom or if they start getting made fun of because of this different kind of family environment
7: well, um, we, I think the way that we prepare them is we try to show them that we are proud of ourselves and proud of them and that we, we live openly and honestly. And that's the first step. So that when somebody challenges you, it I've even said to our boys, well, you know what's true. You don't have to accept that. You don't have to listen to that. You don't have to believe that. It doesn't take the sting out always, but it does say, I am who I am and I'm going to move forward in the way that I do. So I think we've we've shown them that by the way that we live, um, but you know we there there has been an instance one time where um, Joey was um, referred to as the uh, mayor of Gaytown, and I knew that. Um, he was somewhat upset by this. So, you know, I... He I, was mayor, though. You know, yeah. yeah so well, said, we said his response You're should mayor have been, Black. I'm the queen of mayor town. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of gay well, town. So how know. does...
5: So, and so, and, and, and uh, uh, gay uh, fellowship sort of addresses, you know, being a queen as, as kind of yes, being fun. Right. What does a boy think about that on a playground?
7: Well, it, it, you know, it, it happened on the bus, and I knew that he was not pleased with it. So I did talk to the boy's mom, um, I saw her and I said, you know, I just want you to know what your son said. And I, you know, I, I thought again that it. he's and she goes, does he even know what gay means? I said, well, I'm not sure if he does, but I think he's using it as a put down. So I think that, you know, you should be aware of that. And so, you know, she talked to her son and, you know, hopefully that's OK. But, you know, we also try to help him deal with it in terms of humor, too. Um, but it's going to happen. It hap- you know it happens for a variety of reasons. Not for having gay parents. It's going to be for something else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So,
5: any special preparation, Mike or Mark?
6: Uh, well, I'll, I'll I'll let Mark field that one
1: because uh, on purpose yeah. on purpose no, because um, children are cruel and it's part of their that that stage of growing up. And like he said, they'll he'll have the wrong hair. He, We just got some uh, a palate expander put in. He's going to talk funny because he's got a piece of metal in his mouth. There's so many reasons why kids grow up and are cruel to each other that I thought, kind of similar to how they said, we... We live openly and honestly with integrity, with good values, and so the gay thing is no different than anything else.
5: I was going to ask you if, if uh, you know, the it's complicated enough out there. Is having two gay dads the least of their problems, really, uh, that they could face?
0: Coming from a family as loving as ours, yes. Yeah. What what we find with like new foster children who are placed with us. Um, we want the agency to let them know that you're going into a household with two gay men and for a lot of kids It's a non-issue, you know, the the, the big things are Well, the first question do they have a dog? What kind of video yeah. games do they have? You know? <laughs> but I think the, the, as long as they're they feel safe. They feel secure. They're getting fed They're getting cared for they have a place to sleep. They're being taken care of those Those are the things that seem to matter to them not not the sexual orientation of their parents or of their foster family
5: how did your parents uh, shape your uh, desires and ultimately your effectiveness to be a, a, a good dad? I mean, and everyone has their own idea of what a good dad is. So did, did your parents play a role in that? Or did you decide to take your own course?
0: I'm taking Dance. my own course,
5: <laughs>
0: and, yeah. that's, and that's all I'm going to say about that's that. Fine. Tom, what
7: about you? Um, I'm taking my own course as well. Although my my mom um, had a big influence, probably on the way that I parent. Um, my mom was deceased, though, before I met Dennis, and and um, you know before we started a parent, but. Yeah, she had a big influence.
5: Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you have, uh, what, what are your hopes for your children? And, and uh, Mike and Mark, I'll ask you first, and I'd like you both to answer individually. What are your hopes for your son?
6: Well, um, my hope is that uh, um, he um, lives with integrity, all the things that we try to exemplify here, uh, and, and is basically smart and, and has, knows how to interact with people and is a good person. Just right from the core, and I think we're on our way with that. Uh, I, I really feel strongly. I'm I'm the odd one out, by the way. I had a fabulous father, mm-hmm. and I didn't get him a Father's Day card, so I'll just talk him up here. He was fantastic. <laughs> he is my role model. He is my example for for being a good dad.
5: Mark hopes for your child.
6: Well,
1: um, I even wrote it down so I would remember it, uh, so I wouldn't mess it up. I I have a a a arrived at a place of self-awareness and I arrived there because I was gay and because I had difficulties in my, in my childhood, and it forced me to think about who am I really. i got my parents telling me one thing, I've got the world telling me another, and there's some positive results from that. And so my hope is I want my son to be self-aware and a productive member of society and happy, but in a way that's not through pain. I want to do it through love and an example.
5: Real quick Dennis and Tom we have can you can you work together and make a 15 second response
7: Happy I want him to smile that's my hope
5: okay Well, thanks very much to Mike and Dennis, Mark and Tom and your children for coming down here and watching you and being part of this. Well, we are on the Internet at GayRadioCollective.org, WCBN.org, and on iTunes. Our engineer was Jeff Fritzman. I'm David Christopher Meitzler. You've been listening to Colossus R for Clothes. We are the Gay Radio Collective.
7: just trying to figure out the bass line to that Paula Abdul song, Forever Your Girl.
3: Oh, yeah, I love that song. I wish I could hear more Paula Abdul on the radio.
7: You can. On WCBN, FM Ann Arbor. Really? 88.3. It's all Paula, all the time. Awesome.
8: Hey, baby.